Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Travis and Vic's Drunken Horror Adventures, our first live show of the new year. And uh, joined by Blake right now, our buddy from uh, the Nightmare in Elm Street world. How's it going, man? Hey, how's it going? Happy New Year to you. It is. It's been a, it's been a decent little uh, run so far. What nine days into the year, and uh, I know you've been busy as all hell. So have we, but uh, <laughs> pretty excited about talking about a movie that I've been wanting to do during the winter for a really long time. Oh yeah, it's a. I actually just saw it for the first time, uh, preparing for this show. My wife and I have been trying to make time to see it, but you know, uh, with small children, you sometimes have to, you know, move plans around a little bit. It's definitely not for the kids. <laughs> no, absolutely not. It's a violent as hell movie. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm not sure if I saw this movie at the theaters or not. What's up, Vic? Vic's on the line. Everybody, say hello to Vic. Hey, Vic. How you doing? Awesome. What's up? What's up? What's up? <laughs> Vic was mad he had to sit through an almost two-hour movie earlier, which is just <laughs> inconceivable to him. Inconceivable. But, uh, <laughs> yep. So, all right. So, this movie, 30 Days a Night, it came out in 2007. So, it's been, you know, over 10 years since it came out. It actually came out October 19, 2007. And while it would be a kind of a cool Halloween movie, I think it fits better in the, in the winter, don't you guys? Yeah. Yeah. That's just me. Kind of like the thing. Kind of like Frozen. Kind of like I don't the know, Shining. Death Snow. The Shining. Yeah, the Shining. <laughs> Absolutely, The Shining. I mean, there's just certain movies that just bring up that feeling of cold. And there's when not I'm enough Christmas movie, horror. Movie. <laughs> no, there's not. There's not. I mean, or at least good ones. No. Um, but when I'm watching this movie, I'm cold as shit uh, with all that CGI snow. <laughs> no, but it, it, it's a it's an interesting uh, take on vampires, and we'll get into that shortly. Um, like I said, it came out October nineteenth, two thousand seven. Fellas, what do you think it gets on IMDb? Guesses? Uh, I'm gonna guess a six point six. <laughs> what about you, Vic? Uh, six point two. Blake is correct. I cheated. Exactly I, looked, I looked it up before we got on the line. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say he's. I was going to say he, I had a feeling he looked. If you're going to be that dead on balls accurate, but uh, it had a hell of a budget for a horror movie. Thirty-two million dollar budget. That is impressive. Yes, yes, it is. Considering you know, Freddy vs. Jason had like a th- uh, twenty-five million dollar budget, so it had a bigger budget mm. than that. That's impressive. Well, yeah, and in the opening weekend of this, it only made $15 million domestically well, in the United States, and then gross, it made $39 million in the United States, but it made back its budget worldwide with an $80 million, $276, $156 gross worldwide. So, you know, they made about close to $50 million on this bad boy. Yep, that's respectable. That's respectable. <laughs> 
it is, and uh, there were a lot of things spawned off of this, but from what I know, um, they wanted to make this into a movie, and then the studios basically said, nah, we're not going to do it. And so they made it a comic book, and then the studios picked up on it. Is that the gist of it, Blake? That is the gist of it. Uh, it wouldn't be the first time either. Dark Horse kind of had uh, a penchant for writing really dark stuff. I know a Hellblazer and its character, John Constantine, were a comic book first before Keanu Reeves jumped on board and played the title character in that movie. And then The Giver and then you know Aliens was adapted into a Dark Horse. Dark Horse, uh, they tend to be kind of, I guess, the leader in that dark gory horror kind of supernatural you know genre of comic books i think it was a wise Mm -hmm. choice to make it into a film now yeah well yeah we'll get into that shortly and what our opinions are on it but you know this movie actually stars josh hartnett and for most horror fans i think what comes to mind is halloween h2o whether you like it or you don't like it you have to assume that that's kind of the first thing you go to but blake for me too i go to sin city even though he was in it for like five minutes I go to the faculty. I guess it's yep, I was going to say the faculty is another one, too. Yeah. Damn, that was good. God, I'm showing my age. Damn it. <laughs> what about you, Vic? Halloween H2O? The thing you think of for him? Yep. Of course. Yeah. I was going to say, that was the first time I had ever seen him, and that's kind of how I know him. But, you know, he's done some other things, obviously, this included. Um, this was directed by David Slade. Uh, anybody know what the hell David Slade did other than this, offhand? Uh, he actually did Hannibal also, uh, the TV show. He did the, he did Eclipse, the Twilight, yeah, uh, yeah, and then Hard Candy, which I love with Patrick yeah. Wilson and uh, Me Tom too. Page. It's actually on my it's on my Netflix list to watch right, uh, again. I saw it once upon a time because I'd uh, heard how great it was, but yeah, uh, I guess he was executive producer on Hannibal, is what it was. So, you know, he's done some decent work out there, and um, Thirty Days a Night seems to be right up his wheelhouse. Um, so let's kind of talk about how this movie starts because, um, it, it, like I said, it is a different ballpark as far as uh, vampires go. This is not something we've seen before. This is something totally new to the genre, at least as far as I can tell. But anyway, so the movie starts off in Barrow, Alaska, which is a small town, which is like on the Arctic Circle, uh, and they're preparing for their annual 30 days of night, which is a, a time during the winter when the sun there's just no sun during this whole time, 30 days of night. I mean, it's just pitch darkness for 30 days. Uh, and you, you get kind of these scenes of people who really don't want to suffer the extended darkness. And, um, you know, they leave for Fairbanks or other parts south so, you know, they can actually experience like a real um, month. But I don't know about you guys, but me personally, I kind of like to experience 30 days of night just to see what it was like. No. <laughs> no? What about you, Pat? Uh I'm not sure. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I think it'd be pretty cool, but it's not something that I would, like, jump on board no. with. Just do it all I'd do it right away. Uh, I saw Insomnia, okay? I saw Insomnia with Al Pacino and Robin Williams. I'll pass on that shit. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, you know, this movie actually, I, I was talking about some of the opening scenes, but the, really the opening scene is is some weird-looking motherfucker who is just ugly as sin and has rotten, nasty teeth kind of 
getting off a boat and walking into town. Um, you know, like he's a stranger, it looks like. He rows ashore from a larger ship, and then he kind of trudges towards Barrow in this deep snow. And automatically, you can already get that feeling of winter, you know? And like I said, I classify this as a winter horror movie. Um, you know, I know it's vampires, but it's a winter horror movie. Just look at the setting. I'm in Alaska. Uh, it, it just falls perfectly into that winter setting. And so... Oh, yeah. Once he gets there, you know, um, things start happening in this town. And, of course, you're automatically assuming it was him. Um, it, you, you see, you see like, um, different scenes of uh, Josh Hartnett's character, who's the sheriff of this town, uh, finding, like, satellite phones in a big pile that had been burned. And, you know, that kind of speaks to the time period. Like, satellite phones, is that a thing anymore unless you're, like, on a ship? Uh, no, not really. That's kind of something that's sort of fallen by the wayside. I mean, they still they've got you know global positioning, you know GPS and stuff, but I, mm. I think that's just limited now to like you said ships and stuff like that. Yep. Yep. So, um, and of course we're assuming this is the guy who did it. And also, you know, you you get scenes of Josh Hartnett talking to this guy whose helicopter got destroyed. There's only one in the entire town. And then all of the sled dogs get killed. And if you know what this movie is about, you kind of realize what's going on here. But, I mean, just going in, having no idea what this movie is about, I really like the way they set this up. You know, with just all these different scenes, like, and Josh Hartnett, uh, Evan's reaction to all this, like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Each little thing that comes up, he's like, what the fuck is going on around here? Yeah, and and it kind of reminded me of the thing a little bit, you know, this Frozen Arctic kind of setting, mm-hmm. your sled dogs. That's immediately what I thought of was the thing. Uh, and I kind of use that as a good omen because I love the original thing film. I, I thought that was a good omen going into this because, like I said, I had never seen it until like a week before this show when I sat down and watched it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like I said, I was like trying to think about these things as if, uh, you know, as if I had never seen it before. So I tried to think of that. I, I watched this movie about eight times going in. So I, I overthink these movies, but, you know, it is what it is. So Eben, uh that's Josh Hartnett's character, you know, like I said, he's investigating these crimes. And he does, as he's doing so, uh, you know, he kind of learns that his, uh, I guess him and his wife are separated. Her name's Stella. Um she had moved out of town a while ago, but she missed the last plane out of town. Uh, she's going to have to spend the whole 30-day period in Barrow through a, a series of unfortunate circumstances, which we don't need to go into. But basically, at the end of the day, she's stuck there for 30 days, and she didn't have a choice in the matter. So she's pretty pissed off about it. And you can tell this is a small town because everybody that runs into her wants to know what's going on with her marriage. That doesn't happen anywhere else. You know what I mean? Yeah, small towns is where that kind of stuff happens. Bill Pot, you ever run into anybody that likes to ask you about your life in E Town? Not really, no. No. Nobody knows you in E Town, you're just a, a ghost. I mean I am who I am and everybody knows my life. I'm open book. <laughs> you're the pot. All right, well uh <laughs> you know, like I said, she missed the plane and she's gonna have to spend the thirty days there. So uh, they kind of try to avoid each other because Eben's like, well, let me know when you actually want to talk whenever she asks for a ride to the airport. He has somebody else do it. Well, um, 
this stranger, this guy who was walking into town earlier and who we assume caused all the troubles in, in town, he's sitting there at the diner. And this is kind of a creepy scene. This guy's sitting there and he's like, you know, uh, no whiskey, no rum. And and the waitress is like, you know, we're a dry town for 30 days out of the year. People are, uh, people are confused enough without any uh, liquor confusing them. And, and he's like, all right, well, I just want a, a bowl of uh, raw meat. And she's like, you can only get food here grilled or baked or whatever the hell she says. And burnt. And yeah. He's, yeah, or burnt. <laughs> and he's like, you don't tell, you don't give me what I want to drink. You don't give me what I want to eat. And he just says it really creepy. This guy's got an interesting voice. And, uh, like, when you're watching it, if you know what the movie's about going in, you're like, is this fucking guy a vampire? Is he a human familiar? What's going on? You know what I mean? Like, you're wondering about who this guy is. Again, if you know the movies about vampires, you've seen the trailer. You're wondering how this guy fits into it all. And, um, you know, he gets hostile with this woman, starts creeping her out. And I think he's kind of creeper, creepy to uh, you as the viewer, too. But uh, uh, Josh Hartnett, he, he says, oh, let's have a little talk outside. And the guy tries to get fucking physical with him and Stella uh, Josh Hartnett's you know separated wife she pulls a gun on the guy she comes up from behind she's like no it ain't happening that way so uh, Hartnett takes him to jail um, but Blake and Vic get some thoughts on this guy wasn't he kind of creepy I mean like there was something that was just I don't know I would hate to run into this guy is all I'm saying like you know the vampires are one thing but this guy was just he's, he's clearly nuts and he's dirty, and his breath had to stink really bad to be that close to Josh Hartman. Horrible. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Did you see his fucking teeth? It was nasty. Yeah, it was horrible. Like, when Evan got in his face, I was like, that's probably not a good move. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I mean, I, I... Huh? I said I would have hit him with the bat. Yeah, pretty much. Well, this guy, again, he's played by Ben Foster. I think he does a good job for what he's given. Um, so now uh, we've got him in the uh, jail cell. And, you know, this guy, is, he, he's taunting Evan and Stella and Evan's teenage brother, Jake, uh, and their grandma, who's, like, just revealed that she's smoking marijuana, which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> it's just, like, out of nowhere. She's like, I was afraid you'd arrest me. Grandma was great. And... uh this is where this guy is even more, I don't know, captivating in the role that he has. He's, like, telling them that death's coming for them. And uh, just then, this is when vampires start attacking the local telecommunication center and power supply and attack old Gus and kill him. Uh, this is what renders the town dark and, and cuts them off from the outside world. So nobody can really get there because it's pitch dark. Nobody can call them. I mean, there's just no way in or out right now. Um so, I mean, you know, you've got another one of those kind of Night of the Living Dead stories where um, you, a, a small area is being invaded and you have to try to keep them out in whatever way you can and stick together to do it because if you don't, people are going to get picked off. Um, like I said, this is, a, this is a, a unique movie for its genre, I think. Um, so... Uh, when when all that goes down, Evan goes to the uh, telecommunications center and he finds the operator's head on a pike. That was Gus. 
and he and Stella then they go through the town trying to find the ones responsible for the for these. I'm telling you, man, this movie's violent right from the get go, isn't it? I mean, there, you know, I always talk about how I want to see Friday the 13th in the snow, so I could, you know, see Crystal Lake with blood all over the snow. Well, they accomplished that in this movie. There is a lot of blood, a lot. Agreed. Oh yeah, a, a whole hell of a lot. A lot of the red stuff, Vic. All right, Vic's dead. <clears throat> so meanwhile, you uh, you've got these vampires that are led by Marlo, played by Danny Houston. Now, uh, Blake, Danny Houston. You know who I think of? The axe murderer in the American Horror three, Story. Yeah, yeah season three yeah. of American Horror Story. I remember seeing that guy in American Horror Story, and I was like, where do I know him from? And then I looked it up, and I was like, oh, 30 days of night. So, good stuff. Um, and, you know, these vampires are a little bit different. Um, they're kind of like the ones in John Carpenter's vampires. Like, I mean, it's showing them bite people. And obviously they're sucking their blood, but they're almost like serial killers, Blake, or or just animals. I mean, it doesn't seem like they're killing for food, you know? They're just like slaughtering people. Now, granted, I get the point. They're slaughtering people so they can actually, I, I assume, feed on them later on. But it's not the typical MO of vampires that we've seen, you know, of, of most vampires. They're not just killing them to suck blood. Right. You know? It's, it's not a slow process. violence thing, yeah. 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 I mean, I, like, I, I, tr- I feel like this movie's more like a slasher than a vampire movie because these vampires don't seem to have the typical motive of vampires. They're more like, you know, just serial killers, just running around slaughtering people. Yeah, that's what it feels like for sure. And it, it's it's disconcerting, and it's definitely something that hadn't really been done as far as other vampire films, with the exception of maybe Near Dark. There was a little bit of that yeah. Near Dark. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I thought was cool is Marlo actually speaks in an, and by the way, you don't get a Marlo's name until the credits, but he actually speaks in this like ancient guttural language, and uh, it's really cool. Like I, when, I remember when I first watched that, I was like, "Is that a real? Is that fucking Romanian or something?" Like I didn't know, you know what I mean? Esperanto. And, yeah, but it was really cool though because they made up their own language for this movie, and uh, the other vampires just shriek. And they all sound like they have asthma, by the way. Have you, did you notice that? Like, they're wheezing half the movie. Maybe because it's too damn cold up there. Maybe. Vampires and then the one of them, the one the uh, that, uh, he's got, like, a short, like a neck-length black hair. And the first thing I thought of was, this is yes. vampire Kylo Ren. That is exactly what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> or, or he looks like the, uh, well, he kind of looks like Valak from John Carpenter's Vampires also, except for more of a pussy, I'd say. Okay. Yeah. So uh, unless they're shot in the head, bullets are pretty much useless against them. I mean, it barely even knocks them down unless it's a big one. And they, they're they just slaughtering most of the town. I can't convey this to you. You get these overhead shots of people just running around just getting slaughtered and blood all over the snow. Vic, are you still here or are you asleep? More. Yeah, he's asleep. I'm there. You, okay. I was going to say, Vic, do you agree that there's a shit ton of blood in this movie? Oh yeah, it's amazing. That's the best part of the I movie. I mean, they had to use they had to use buckets and buckets and buckets of this stuff. It reminded me of Piranha. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? The Piranha 3D, where there's so much blood. They had to use gallons of this shit. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, granted, I, I will 
I will say that, that some of the bloody scenes, it was a little bit CGI'd. There was a lot of other CGI in it. So some of it was good, some of it was bad, and there was some practical stuff too. But one thing's for sure, there was a lot of red stuff everywhere. And for it to be all over the snow just made it freaking sweet. Anyway, so all these people, like I said, they're getting slaughtered by these vampires. How many would you say there were, Blake? Like 12? 12 vampires, maybe more? 12, 15, something like that, yeah. Yeah. You never get get a good count, but they're basically in a pack, and, they, and they're kind of dressed like, I don't know, they're dressed up, I would say. I mean, they're not, like, wearing ties or anything, but they're all wearing black and kind of dress shirts, right? And they and they look pretty physically imposing. Um, they don't look human, that's for sure. Like, that, that girl vampire with the black hair, she didn't look like a human, and neither did... <laughs> all right, so I'm going to say this. You know the bald vampire? I remember watching this. Well, one of the times I was watching, I was looking at him. I'm like, did they make him look that way, or is he Asian? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? The one, with, the one that was walking around with blood all over his face that looked like he had a beard. It was probably one of the <laughs> vampires. Their eyes are all kind of weird looking, though. Yeah. And he just seemed especially weird. Like, I thought his was, you know, a little bit uh, Asian. But I think Vic, I had to get Vic going on that. <laughs> I like to talk about Asians you on the show for some reason. That's his thing. But no, but I, I'm telling you, like these vampires are just mowing through people. Like I said, more like a slasher than a, a vampire movie for sure. Because you know most vampire movies are they're creeping around. They're not just out destroying people. But when you have 30 days a night, you have carte blanche, and that's the idea here. Is that uh, for 30 days they're going to get to do whatever the hell they want? But like I said, Blake, the weird thing that throws me off is the fact that they're not. They're not really feeding. I mean, they're biting people, I realize, but they're not re- – I mean, they're just slaughtering people. But, you know, I guess we slaughter cows, so maybe it's the same concept, you know? Maybe later on they were going to drain them of their blood. But it seemed to me that all the blood was all over the snow, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. It, and... it wasn't well thought out. No, no. But the attack was, obviously, because it worked pretty well. Um, but uh, so – they they slaughter, like I said, most of the town, including Eben's grandmother, the, the pot lady from earlier. And those who actually live this whole thing, they congregate in the diner. And the uh, vampires attack Eben and Stella, but Bo Brower, this is, Bo Brower is also in John Carpenter's Vampires. I know I brought that up uh, repeatedly, but do you remember him being in that movie, Blake? He was one of the first vampire hunters that gets slaughtered at the beginning, spoiler warning. Which one was that the again? Big guy with, the big guy with the beard. He oh, was John, yeah, John yeah. Carpenter's Vampires also. So this is his second vampire movie that I'm aware of. I know he's in some other horror movies too. Played by, played by Mark Boone Jr. And he's like the local snowplow driver that, I don't know, him and Eben don't get along that great, but it's because this guy's kind of a loner. He actually rescues them, and they also go to the diner. So everybody decides to go to this boarded-up house of somebody who had left town earlier that day, which I guess it makes sense to board up your house if you're going to leave it there, you know, hope everything doesn't freeze up and nobody breaks into your house, that type of thing. And this house actually has a a hidden attic um, where they'll be able to hide. And and it is hidden, too. Like, you can barely notice whenever you look up. You you can't tell there's an attic there, Um, but they knew about it. So... uh, what goes on now is, see, the stranger earlier in the movie, I had mentioned this, uh, he had tried to get the jump on Evan's brother, and uh, uh, Stella got involved, and then Evan shot the, the 
the stranger or whatever the hell, whoever he is, you know, the bad breath, bad teeth one, shot him right in the shoulder, and then Evan handcuffed him to the, uh, to the, uh, the, to the jail cell. So anyway, meanwhile, the vampires, uh, mainly, mainly Marlowe, he, uh, he goes into the, uh, jail, and he finds, uh, the stranger there, and, uh, you see, but earlier the stranger had basically said that they were going to reward him for his good work. Um, so basically, it sounded like, from what we understand, that this guy wanted to become a vampire. And when Marlo finds him in that jail there, he, uh, he kind of thanks him for his work on the vampire's behalf, and then he snaps his neck and kills him. So this dude did all this stuff for nothing. Blake... About the scene where he snaps his neck, was he? I mean, uh, did he do something wrong, or was this vampire going to kill him no matter what? Uh, the vampire was going to kill him no matter what. He just was. Okay. He was lulling him into, I guess, what would be called a false sense of security. That's how I interpreted it. Any, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I mean, you could tell he was creeped out whenever the vampire got there because he's like, oh, he's just making this weird moaning noise. He was fucking scared. So anyway, Marlo orders the uh, vampires not to turn anybody else into a vampire and they'll slaughter the town and then disappear in order to uh, preserve modern humanity's belief that vampires are the stuff of bad dreams and nothing more. You know what's funny, Blake? Whenever these vampires were talking, did they have subtitles the whole time, or did they just get them later on? Because I don't recall it being, in, like, at first. It seemed like it picked up later. I think it picked up later. It just, it was kind of, un- like I said, it was, like you said earlier, it was kind of unintelligible, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then later on, they actually started showing subtitles as to what they were saying. I guess when it mattered what they were saying. So anyway, again, we've got the plot here. 30 days. Most of the town's already been slaughtered. You've got a small group of survivors, like Night of the Living Dead, hiding out right now in one building, for the most part. And uh, over the next week, you get Eben, Stella, Jake, and several seven others who stick it out in the attic. And this would suck, by the way. This looked horrible. You know what I mean? Can you imagine just staying... First of all, it's got to be fucking cold. There's no heat up there, because they're not turning on the heat, because the vampires would know where they are. And... It's Alaska, and it's in the middle of night for 30 days. That And where are you going to piss? I, I know they could climb down and go piss in that bathroom, but they couldn't even flush it. It had to suck. And what were they going to eat? You know, they were trying to ration. So anyway, the whole thing was just, I don't know, man. It was just kind of like a uh, one of these things where you knew it sucked at the time. And I think they portrayed it rather well. But the, the t- even though this movie lasts almost two hours, like Vic said, or like Vic uh, implied earlier, it um, it goes kind of fast while they're up here in the attic. So you, you have a hard time knowing how long it is. But, yeah, it's about a week while they're up there. And um, I guess the vampires, they know there's other people out there, and they're trying to draw them out. So um, a few of them, they actually fight about leaving, but most stay. And only Wilson and his senile father, Isaac, are lost. Um, and basically, those two running out kind of saved them because the bald Asian vampire that I was talking about earlier, he was kind of on the prowl inside that house. But it was really their fault in the first place because they opened the window. Anyway, so this vampire, he, he obviously murders these two. So 
what goes on now is Evan ventures out to try to help a, a, this stray survivor. Um, and during this time, see, this stray survivor, and Evan noticed this up in the attic. Everybody saw this girl walking down the street. And I think this is one of the coolest scenes in the movie, probably the coolest scene in the movie for me, Blake, where this uh, this girl is walking down the uh, the street, and she's all beat up, you know. She, she's bleeding. She's like, somebody help me. And, like, everybody wants to run out and go help her, but Evan's like, look up on the buildings, and you can see the vampires up on the top of the roofs. And it's like they're they're using her as bait, kind of a Friday Thirteenth remake deal. You know what I mean? It was it was awesome though that they were using her as bait the way they were. And then I guess when they got to the point that they realized nobody was going to come save her, they come down and they just like just start hacking at her, and then they just finally do her end. But the the coolest part of this whole thing that happens is when she's like, "Please God," and uh whatever the hell the main vampire's name is. I've been saying it the whole time. Uh, Marlo. Marlo. He looks at her, and then he kind of looks her up in the sky, and he looks around, and he says, God? No God. And then they just destroy her. It was awesome. What a dick move. <laughs> Marlo's kind of an asshole, isn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, during this time, Evan had ventured out there, but it was kind of sad for the hero because, you know, like I said, Evan's supposed to be the hero of this whole thing, but he can't even do anything to help her. I mean, what's he going to do? Maybe even going out there with a gun's not going to help. He's going to get slaughtered. So he has to, like, listen to her screams and hear her die. Well, during this time, he actually sees somebody he knows from the town laying under uh, one of these houses, and uh, he gets him out, and uh, the guy has been turned. Now, I don't think he was meant to be turned, but somebody, one of the vampires didn't realize he was under there after he had hurt him. Now, this guy that was under the house, Blake, I'm sure you watched it closely. How the hell did he, I, I saw him get his face slashed. So if the idea is that, you know, vampires are spreading it based on like a virus or something, I guess it's in their claws. Because it never shows him get bit, does it? No, it doesn't show him get bit, but I think that's the, the part of it because they conceal his face a little bit, you know. Like, it's concealed. Yeah. You could tell something's wrong with it, but you can't, you, right. you know, they're, they're capitalizing on your uncertainty. That's what they're doing. Right. And so when Evan gets this guy out, like I said, he's changed. And the guy, um, he's like, I'm so hungry now. He's like, we'll get you some food. And then he starts trying to attack Evan. It's almost like he can't even control himself, too. It, it wasn't like, uh, like, at first you could tell he was kind of apprehensive about it. And then it was just instinct took over, you know? Yeah. So during this whole thing, like this guy gets tangled up in in, um, in these kids' uh, swings, and Evan beheads them, and that's the end of this guy. So what Evan finds out here is that you can kill these fuckers by beheading them. Kind of true to some old vampire legend, right? Yeah, that's one of the ways. As long as the head is completely severed from the body. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, you know. Very, it was a stake through the heart type thing. But, you know, this, there's no stakes in this shit. Um, so at this point, uh, when the blizzard hits, Eben actually and uh, some of the others, they use the whiteout conditions that are going on because it's so impossible to see. Again, think thing whenever they're on the road, you know, and they're, they're on the line and they're trying to, uh, you know, get from place to place and nobody can see. It's the same type of deal here. But the point of this is so the vampires don't see them. Um, 
though. I mean, you know, vampires are pretty much superhuman, but they can't get through this blizzard and see who's moving where any better than anybody else, which makes sense. So they go to the general store, and I think this scene's kind of corny. I don't know about you, Blake. I think it's uh, a little out there. you get got this young girl vampire that attacks them, and he wounds one of them, or she wounds one of them. The whole thing was, I'm done playing. I don't know. I think it was meant to be creepy. It didn't work for me. What about you? No. I mean, there are things that worked about this movie and things that didn't. It was kind of a fair mix, you know, of of, of each. But no, that, that part didn't really, you know, sit with me. It didn't, you know, I, it didn't elicit the reaction from me that I think they were trying to elicit from people that watched it. Yeah, I'm sure it scared people that are, like, scared of, like, um, I don't know, kids that are creepy. You know what I mean? In some of those movies, like Gage from Pet Cemetery, and people like that, they just get creeped out by that type of thing. Vic, what about you? Did you think the little girl was a little bit goofy? I, I thought it was just corny for the type of movie we were watching. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was what it was. It, obviously, it, it wasn't that, it wasn't creepy to me or in it, or either one of you, so it was definitely corny and cheesy. Yeah, it just didn't work for me. And they never explained who the girl was. It's like, oh, I don't know who she is. And they're just like, well, moving on. You know, <laughs> they actually killed this young girl, too. Well, she's already dead, but you get my point. Um, they they take her head off, and they don't show it. You notice they didn't show the old people get killed, and they don't show the little girl get killed. It, it's sad. You know, if it was Blob from the 80s or Halloween 3, they would have shown that shit. Trying to retain that, that rating, man, that uh, below X rating. You know the NPAA has it out for our shit. You know that. You know, they allowed a whole lot of red stuff, didn't they? As, as well, we it just that. depends. It'd be like in the old Friday the 13th movies, like specifically the third and fourth, you could show the knife going in, yep. and you could show the blood splash, but you couldn't show the knife exiting or vice versa. You couldn't show the knife going in, or you could show the knife going out but not going in and then still show blood. It just... It, they're weird. They're they're fucking picky. You know? It's like if you don't like it, don't fucking watch it. So what, I mean, it's dumb. I, we've been over this before, but you know. Anyway, so that part didn't work for any of us, I suppose. Uh, I'm glad I'm not the only one because I just thought it was goofy. And I, I, I mean, this was a serious movie for the most part. And you know, you throw in a scene like that, and it feels like a video game. I know it was a comic, and maybe it was in the comics, but it just I, again, it took me out of the movie a little bit. So anyway. Um, what happens from here after they kill this girl and get away? Uh, the whiteout conditions end. So now the town is, is visibility's back, and it's like, ah, shit, we can't even get back to the abandoned house now because the vampires are going to see us. So Evan decides everyone should go to the station house, and he's going to provide a diversion by running to his grandmother's house uh, where she grew the marijuana, but that means she has ultraviolet lighting system. And if it works, you know, if it's like sunlight, then it could hurt them or kill them even. You know, nobody's sure if this is going to work. I like when earlier in the movie um, the big the big bearded guy says, uh, just because something killed Bella Lugosi in the movies doesn't mean it's going to work on them. Anytime you mention Bella Lugosi, I'm happy. Yeah, because he was the man. So anyway... Evan makes it to the house. He turns on the generator, and he turns the light on the vampires who have followed him there. And it, the one I was talking about earlier, the, the long black-haired one that I said was uh, obviously didn't look human, it burns the shit out of her. And, like, Marlo comes over and kind of gives her a look like, what the hell? And then he takes her out. 
It looked like he fed on her, too, didn't it? Because he bit her. I mean, that's how he killed her, it looked like. It's not like he just cut her head off. Yes, no, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it it did. I mean, I don't know if he drank her blood, but he took her out that way. I guess he just liked biting people. So Evan gets out of the house, but the vampires are in pursuit. And Bo, this is, again, the bearded guy from earlier. This time it's his turn to, you know, come to the rescue. And he kills a bunch of the vampires with this plow he's driving. It's his plow. He crashes into a hotel. And then when the vampires kind of descend upon him, he um, ignites a box of dynamite, hoping to, you know, incinerate all of them. Um, But it's unsuccessful. Uh, But it does give Eben the time to make it to the station house. And uh, this part's pretty sweet. Like, whenever... uh, Bo is laying there on the ground and Marlo comes over to him and he's like, you people are a plague. And he puts his foot on him and just crunches his head. It's fucking brutal. That was some Michael Myers from Halloween 2 stuff right there. Halloween remake 2. Right, Vic? Yeah. What? (laughs) Insight is always uh, appreciated, buddy. Yeah, fuck you. (laughs) Damn. Anyway, Evan Evan's <laughs> given time to make it to the station house. They're uh, the wounded uh, other member of his party who's like an Eskimo or something. He actually turns into a vampire. Uh, but this guy's kind of got a shred of his humanity left, and he asks Evan to behead him because he doesn't want to live forever. His family's actually dead. So, it, it, see, to me, I think this, this scene's pretty powerful in its own way, where this guy's, you know, telling him that his family's dead, he can't live forever, you know, because he wants to see them again. And then what I think is effective, while it would be cool to see him kill them, I think it actually was more effective for him to go to the other room and you just hear it and the people's reactions, you know? Yeah. It was powerful, though, the way it was done. I really did like that. The the sense of desperation and, you know, being forced into doing something you don't want to do just to save your own ass, you know? Yep, absolutely. It, It was, it was, you know, um, I, I just thought a good scene overall where, you know, you know what's going It's like when somebody puts a dog out of its misery. It's sad, but it, it's more messed up that you could see these people's reactions to the sound of it, at, like Fight Club. You know, Blake, whenever uh, Angel Face is getting the shit beat out of him. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, two more weeks pass, and I have a hard time keeping up, keeping track of the time because I kind of half-ass watch this movie even though I'm doing it eight times. Like, I'm working while I'm doing it. So a lot of the uh, the um, subtitles and stuff like that, I wouldn't catch in. But anyway, two more weeks pass, and Stella and Eben, they uh, they see somebody signaling uh, from across the street, and it's Billy Kitka, who's uh, Eben's deputy. And this me- this part's messed up, too, uh, I feel like. I mean, there's some messed up parts in this movie, but, you know, Eben and Stella, they make it over to Billy's house. And uh, when the vampires attacked... He actually killed his own wife and daughters. We're talking about the mist. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, this was this is like this this guy yeah. did a mercy killing of his wife and daughters. Then he's gonna kill himself, but the gun jammed before he could commit suicide. And like you could just see Evan just lose his shit over it. Like he's like he wants to kill this guy, but at the same time he can't bring himself to do it. But you know, at the same time, you kind of understand where the guy's coming from. It's really just a weird thing, but it's like, again, another powerful thing, I thought. it was. If you're not paying enough attention, you don't know as much what's going on, but if you pay enough of attention, you can kind of get the emotion involved in that. 
I don't get so deep into movies too often, but I thought that was pretty cool. Anyway, so Stella and Eben, they take this guy back to the station house. And, you know, this is where they learn that the others have made it to the uh, Utilidor, which is a power station that controls the oil pipeline. And the only structure that still has power in the whole town. Um, so Evan, Stella, and Billy, they begin to sneak towards the Utilidor. But Stella stops to rescue a young girl who's being stalked by a vampire. I have no idea who this girl is. I'm glad that we weren't supposed to know because I never noticed her before. And uh, meanwhile, Evan and Billy, they try to distract the vampire while Stella gets the girl to safety. But instead, Billy and Evan are actually separated. And they both eventually make it to the Utilidor, but a vampire follows Billy. And uh, it's, is it the bald one this time? The bald vampire that actually follows him, or is it not? I don't know. Fuck it. It's a vampire, regardless. It's not Marlo. Anyway, so Evan's, you know, happy to see the rest of the survivors have made it alive, but the vampire attacks Billy, ripping into his neck and cutting off his hand that gets stuck in this fucking grinder. That was brutal, wasn't it? That, I mean, this movie was violent as hell, but I think that was probably the most violent part of the whole movie. It, it was. It, it, it was very reminiscent of, like, you know, Saw or, you know, ABC's of Death, yeah. Ace of the Death, you know, something like that, yeah. Do you remember that part, Vic, where the dude gets his hand ground off? That was gross. Gross, awesome, it's all the same, I guess. It is all the same, you're right. I can't disagree, but yeah, I mean, like I said, violent movie. Um, a lot of blood in this, a lot of fucking nastiness. Um, so, uh, you know, like I said, when the vampire attacks uh, Eben, Billy knocks into the gears of the Utilidor's pump which actually disintegrates the vampire. It goes through this grinder, and is again, brutal. Um, and then, you know, Eben realizes that Billy's about to turn into a vampire, so Eben cuts his head off. See, this was practical, Blake, this part, where his head falls to the side. That was pretty practical. Most of it was CGI, I feel like, but this one was a pretty good example of practical effects. Am I wrong? No, that was practical. It just, it was, like I said, there were parts other parts in the film where it, where it was it was a fair mix. You know, I kind of have this mm. proclivity, I guess, against too much CGI. CGI, much yeah. yeah. And, well, in 2007, you know, everybody was using CGI, so I'm glad we got any kind of practical, practical effects, to be honest with you, you know, because yeah. everybody yeah. was going heavy on CGI about 10 years ago. Now we're getting a kind of a turn back to practical or as much as possible. But, you know, back then, I'm just glad we got a little bit of that. I mean, like, even the fire and the snow falling, you could tell with CGI, you know, when you watch the movie on a decent TV. So, anyway, um, sun's due to rise in a few hours, finally. And the vampires say, fuck it, you know what? We can't get to these people. We don't know where they are. They're going to hide. We're just going to burn this bitch to the ground. Uh, plus, they got to cover their tracks, too, because they don't want people knowing about the existence of vampires. So Stella, Stella radios to Evan that she and the young girl are hiding under uh, an abandoned truck. Um, and, you know, you've got the, this fire that's quickly coming towards them. And, and Evan, I thought this was cool uh, realization for him. Like, he realizes, you know, he can't do anything to these vampires as a human. They, you know, it doesn't work. And you can't behead all of them. Um, so... He injects himself with AIDS from Billy's infected blood, or whatever you want to call it, the vampire, the vampire sickness, virus, whatever you want to call it. Uh, something about that. 
That takes some balls to do. Not just turning yourself into a vampire, but actually shooting up with somebody else's blood. Yuck. Yeah. I guess crackheads kind of do it, though, don't they, Vic? Yeah, for the most part. Yep. <laughs> I'm just saying. Fucking heroin addicts. So anyway, uh, he he injects himself with that blood so he can fight them as a vampire and he turns and the first thing he says whenever he, you know, is a, is a vampire is he says, uh, I can smell your blood and everybody's like freaked out around him and like he gets up and he just goes after the vampires and this is but like he comes straight to Marlo and him and Marlo start having a fight and Marlo's kicking the shit out of Evan, isn't he? He is whooping Evan's ass. Like, Evan starts to fight, and Marlo just keeps whipping his ass at every uh, corner. Um, then Marlo goes flying into him, and this part's a little goofy, I thought. Evan puts his hand right through... I mean, it's cool, but it's kind of goofy, too. Again, took you out of the movie. Puts his hand right through his throat to the back of his head. And Marlo's yeah. dead. Didn't you guys think that was a little goofy? I, I don't know. Again, it was a little too... Again, this was a mix of seriousness and a little bit of comic book to where it was like it takes you – like, don't get me wrong. If this was just balls-to-the-wall comic book stuff all the way through, I would have been okay with that, and I would have been okay with it being serious all the way through. I just don't think mixing them was the right decision, but that's me. Well, it kind of is like a staple of Dark Horse Dark Horse comics and stuff that they have. There is a, There is usually a fair mix of some sort of – Humor and then some sort of horror too, but I think the point that they in using that in the film was to show that he had finally reached that plateau of having, you know, absolute vampire power, but also kind of made it too late for him to go back. Though we know there was no way I went back because nobody else came back from it. I think it was just made to right. be over the top, you know, for a reason like that. Yeah. Well, once Marlowe's dead, you know. Tell me your opinion on this. The, uh, these other vampires just kind of like leave. They leave. And while I have no problem with that, I'm trying to figure out if they left because Dawn was coming, which it was, or, or a combination of the two maybe because Marlo's dead. They don't have any kind of leadership. I mean, all they did is shriek at each other anyway. So maybe without a leader, they don't have any direction. Yeah. yeah or maybe they were scared of Evan. I'm not sure. I think it was a mix of both. He was like, like, wow, you totally destroyed our leader and shit, what the hell are we going to do now? Kind yeah. of reaction, you know. Yeah, so Stella or uh, Evan asked Stella if he should chase them down. And she's like, oh, no, the Don's coming. So we don't ever get an answer on, you know, whether he should go after them. But I think the ending here is really freaking cool where – now, again, too much CGI is irritating, but I don't know how you could do this any other way. You know, Stella's uh, – Evan said that him and Stella were going to stay uh, – be together at dawn, and they were, and Stella's sitting there holding him, you know, in her arms. as he. You can see the pain as he just slowly incinerated and turned into ashes by the sun. And to me, it's kind of a downer ending, but also a really good ending, uh, appropriate for how, you know, the movie went. He dies a hero, I mean – you know, he saves the town or whatever was left of it. Um, but, yeah, I thought the ending was really cool, other than the CGI uh, ashes. But, again, I don't know you could do that any other way. Um, not, I'm just not sure how. I mean, I'm sure you could, but it would probably be hard. So, Vic, I guess I'll go with your uh, thoughts first, sir, since you watched it uh, today. And Blake might have, too. No, I don't. Um... <laughs> Oh, well, 
my thoughts are pretty uh pretty quick and simple. Um I thought it was too long but but lots and lots and lots and lots of blood and that made me happy. Um I <laughs> I think I, I liked it more than I thought I was. Um but I was tired, I dozed off a little bit because somebody kept me up all night. But in Blaine, Alabama, I, dude, that wasn't my fault. <laughs> Yeah, My know. feet are bitch, bitching no. about it, though. I'll tell you that much. Do it. See, let me tell everybody the story. Last night, we st- we stayed up. Uh, we went to the gym at, like, 9 o'clock. And the national title game was on, the football national title game. And so we work out, and I'm like, Vic, let's just get on the treadmill and watch the rest of the game. So we do. We get on the treadmill, and I'm not talking we're standing there. We're walking the entire time. This went on for like an hour and a half, and the game just would not end. And it went on till midnight. So we're in the gym like dumbasses on the treadmill till midnight, and then we and then it ended the way we did not want it to. So we wasted all that time. But you know, we only destroyed all parts of our body afterwards. You know, I mean, like I don't know about you, but I'm fucking sore today. But you know, I'm ready to do it again tomorrow. So I'm I'm sore as fuck. I'm like a lot about that. But anyway, um, well, yeah, man, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, like you said, I mean, I enjoyed it. It had uh, more more blood than I thought it was going to, so that was always a uh, that's a plus for me. Um, I think I got to go with a a two point seven five, two point seven five. Not quite a three. All right. Close. That's Victor, you know, and Vic, you had told me you'd watched it before whenever we did um, another show, and I didn't realize you'd ever seen it before. You probably didn't remember most of it, though. Vampires aren't your genre, that's for sure. Yeah, didn't remember it all. I mean, I watched it once upon a time, long time ago, and, you know, I enjoyed it. All right, well, what about you, Blake? Talk about it. Well, like I said, I... I try to stay up and, you know, kind of, you know, in tune and in touch with all things horror. Um, This one was one that I had initially heard about when it came out, but there were things going on at the time. You know, I just, for whatever reason, I couldn't watch it. Because I remember I wanted to see this one and then Midnight Meat Train, and I hadn't seen either one of them. I still haven't seen that one. but I have. It's pretty good. Yeah. I've heard it is, and I plan on, you know, making that reality soon. But uh, I thought that for what it was, uh, a decent mix of practical and CGI, you know, effects-wise. A uh, good bit of um, story, an interesting story, something that I really hadn't been tackled before with the whole 30 days of polar night. You know, that was something that kind of hadn't been done before, uh, you know, other than in the, the, you know, the Dark Horse comics. And, um, well, you know, great producing and directing team, you know. Rob Taffert and Sam Raimi, they both did the Evil Dead, you know. So it's kind of like... Mm-hmm you know, and a cool kind of, you know, modern thing that they could they could do. And, you know, of course, this film didn't really have very many of those jump-cut documentary-style footage, you know, kind of scenes, sort of like the original couple of Evil Dead's had. So it was more just a, a straight modern horror film, you know. But I liked it. I like vampire films. I'm kind of picky about the ones I watch, um, you know, uh I wasn't big into the whole Twilight things. I still haven't seen all of those and don't plan on it. Um, but, you know, I liked Fright Night. I liked, um, 
the Night Flyer, you know, I liked all those. Uh, Interview with the Vampire and Dracula with Gary Oldman and all the you know Bela Lugosi stuff. So this was kind of a cool way to continue that that vampire tradition. Overall, it was it was really good. I didn't feel it was too too long. I mean, it was long, but it wasn't as long as like Anne Rice's Interview with the Vampire. That was oh my god, that was like the Titanic yeah, of horror that was movies. A saga. You know? <laughs> it was like it the was. Titanic of horror movies. It was. Uh, I was like, did Jim Cameron have a part in this? You know, I don't know. It's kind of long, but um. Yeah, it was it was good. I, I I'm gonna give it a three out of four just because it's it was new to me. I kind of was partial to Dark Horse Comics growing up. I read a lot of Wizard, you know, magazines or the Guide to Comics, and it's not in you know production anymore. That company long gone, but it was a throwback to that for me. And and it was horror, so I wanted to give it a shot. And when I found out you guys were doing a show on it, I was like, hey, you know, it gives me a good enough reason to sit down this weekend and watch it with the wife. That was one of our romantic things we did with each other was watch this movie because I don't think either one of us had seen it before. No, no, uh, that's really cool that you guys got to watch that. Um, my wife had seen it before too, so she didn't watch it with me this time around. But, you know, again, I watched it like eight times. So to me, um, out of the movies I've seen, this is actually my favorite Josh Hartnett uh, role because um, I don't care about him in H2O. And yeah, I remember him from faculty, but um, his his character in this I thought was pretty cool. It was just an interesting character that was kind of going through some things, and just to see you know him in that role was I, I thought enjoyable. But okay, so I'm going to get into the bad first. We talked about a lot of it already. I thought the CGI, uh, a lot of it was annoying. Like some of the CGI blood spray was fine, but like the CGI snow, I don't know why it bothered me this time. Like whenever it's coming down, I'm looking at it, and I'm like that didn't even look real. Um, so, so that bothered me a little bit, but um, like the little girl scene that that was dumb. As as cool as Josh Hartnett putting his fist through Marlowe was, at the same time, I take a step back and I'm like, yeah, but you just took me completely out of the. I don't know. This is this is like slash, action slash horror, but I wish it would have been a little bit more horror and less action. You know, it didn't go full Resident Evil on me where I'm just like, this movie sucks because it's nothing but action, but it should be horror. But, you know, they took it out of straight horror to something. A little, I guarantee it was a product of its, its time though, you know, cause this is when Resident Evil movies were all getting churned out. So I'm sure they tried to go along with that. And you're right. It is a comic book thing too. But, um, so, so that bothered me a, a little bit. And, um, I say this all the time to Vic. I'm like, you know, Vic, I love vampire movies. I love vampire stories. Uh, well, okay. Maybe vampire movies isn't the word I'm looking for. I love vampire stories, but most vampire movies as a whole, there are some good ones. Yes. But most of them aren't that great. I can't think of too many that I'd give four machetes out of four to. I mean, that's legit. Like, I can't think of too many because they're mostly the same thing or they're just not that well done because um, you can only do Dracula so many different ways. But this one was a completely unique and different way of putting a vampire movie together. Again, you know, the vampire's motive for the whole thing, it seemed really odd because they weren't really feeding. They were just, like, killing which, you know, if you're serial killers, I guess that works. But if you're vampires, it doesn't make as much sense. Um, so so that's the end of my bad, as far as I can tell. But the good, again, was the unique concept that Blake talked about. The idea that you have 30 days of night. These vampires can do whatever the hell they want. And anybody being trapped anywhere is scary. 
I think. You know, whether you whether you do things to me, you know, like they didn't have jump scares out the ass in this or anything. So maybe it wasn't too scary, but the idea of it, I think, is. Um, the vampires were pretty cool. They looked pretty sweet. Marlo was awesome. I like that dude. Too bad he took a punk death. Um, like I said, Josh Hartnett, I enjoyed. I enjoyed the ending of the movie, uh, CGI aside. But I tell you what, we mentioned this show on, or I mentioned this movie on the top five winter horror movies ever uh, when we did that that show. Um, and, you know, of course I had the thing at number one, but I know I had Adam Green's Frozen on there, and I had The Shining, and I know this was in my top five also. And it, and it still would be if we were to do a list today. Um, I think it's really good. And this is one of those time cells where we're, we've all got different ratings, and that never happens, I feel like. Um, I got three and a half out of machetes. It's a high three, three and a half out of four machetes. It's a high three and a half also. Um, I, I came real close to giving it a four, but there were just some things, mainly the CGI, that kept me from giving it a four. But the fact that it's a vampire movie that I love, and that it goes outside the the usual vampire stuff, and that we get so much blood all over the snow. Uh, and I think the story's interesting. Um, and I know they did some other stories. There's some things I'd like to know, but I'm I'm sure they're just not as good. The other movies I, I may have seen the, the sequel to this, and there might be more than one. I know there's all sorts of stories out there. Like there's one that says that like Ken Foray's in it and somebody else that we know from the horror genre. So I, I have to look into those and find out if they're worth a damn. But um, for this movie, again, a high three and a half out of four. I can't quite go four, but uh, one of the better, if we were to do a, you know, top ten or top five vampire movies of all time, this would definitely be on my list and probably pretty high up there too. So we were all over the place this week. Three and a half. 2.75, and a 3. So I thought Blake would like it better than you, Vic. Um, you know, I, I'm not surprised. I was thinking you would go 3, Vic. I, I'm, you know, I think it's probably your mindset going into that you were tired. Yeah, I was tired and it was long. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps saying it's long. We had to make Vic watch yeah, Andrew Vampire. He'd hate his life. What do you say? I said we should make you watch interview interview with the vampire. That movie feels long no, too. That, Even though I like that, that movie, movie that's one of my favorite movies movie. of all time. I hate. It. I saw it in the Actually, theater and I wanted to see the rest. I actually like it, but I could see how you would so, uh, how you wouldn't. Yeah, Vic Vic just doesn't like the same things as us, Blake, all the time. So it is what it is. That's okay. That's all right. All right, so, fellas, mm-hmm. um, I need help, okay? Here's what I'll tell you I need help with. <laughs> so, on no. January 23rd, I am interviewing Peter Watts uh, about the short story, The Things. Blake, have I told you about The Things? No, you have not. And I've told Vic many times. The Things is a short story by Peter Watts, obviously. Well, I call it a short story, but if you ever look at it in writing, it doesn't feel short. But um, he he wrote, I mean, really, it doesn't. It's a lot of words. He wrote a story, okay, and it is like um, a different perspective on John Carpenter's The Thing. Or if you want to, you know, Who Goes There by John W. Campbell. And the idea is that 
the narrator is the thing. And it's telling, you know, about um, assimilating people and why it does it. And, you know, it doesn't understand why people are trying to kill it. And it's just really cool to hear it from that perspective, you know. And it's also telling you things that maybe were or maybe weren't true in the thing, but he's flat out saying it, you know, like that, that Childs was absolutely one of them, you know, that he had been invaded previously type thing. You know, things that we weren't sure about, maybe it was true, maybe, but he just goes in a different direction and says, yes, this is what happened here. But he's telling it from, again, the alien's perspective. And, and if you ever get the chance, there's an audio. Well, there's lots of audio. A lot of people have done recordings of this um, where they're reading the things. Or you can just go read it yourself. It's on Clark's World uh, magazine, and it's actually on a website. It's for free. It's out there. You can find it. But uh, So I'm going to be talking to the author of that because, you know, it's winter. And what I always love in the winter, winter horror movies, and the things goes right along with that. Um, and then January 30th, I'm going to be talking to Jeff MacArthur, the grandson of John MacArthur, who actually um, defended Carol Ann Fugate uh, with the uh, Charles Stark weather, weather murders uh, from the 50s. So I'm going to be talking to the grandson who wrote a book about the whole thing. It's more about Carol Ann Fugate. But since that's being done, the next week I'm going to be talking to another writer about Charles Stark weather. So two weeks of Stark weather starting January 30th and ending on February 6th. But the thing now is that, that I need help with is I don't know what to do next week. I don't have a show next week. I thought for sure I had it all penciled in, but somebody's going to have to help me out. What do you think, guys? What should we do next week? So we've done The Shining. We've done The Thing. We've done The Thing from Another World. We have done The Thing prequel. We did all those like four years ago. Um, we've done Adam Green's Frozen twice, in fact, because once we interviewed Adam Green, um, we're going to be doing the things. So um, have we ever done Dead Snow? And if we haven't, I don't know where I can find it right now because I don't think it's on um, Netflix at the moment. So maybe no, Dead Snow's a skipper for now. Uh, have, have we done a show on Starry Eyes? What's Starry Eyes? You'll love it. It's on Netflix. It is so fucked up that I actually contemplated drinking halfway through the movie. It's 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 I, I it's kind of like a play on the old Hollywood story, you know, the casting couch, except uh-huh. your casting couch involves you having uh, basically an orgy with Satan and selling your soul off to become a famous, you know, star in a horror movie and it just it's bloody and people get just fucking railroaded and just hollowed out. It's it's the most beautiful and fucked up thing I have ever seen. Vic, what do you say? It sounds amazing to me. It's on Netflix. I've never seen it. You've never seen it. Let's take it in. Blake knows it, so hey Blake, I got a question for you. Yes, sir. So so being that you're the one that picked it, will you do the rundown next week? Certainly, yes, I will. Um, like I said, okay. I'll take down what day are we wanting to do this? Because I've got a bunch of shit coming. I've got a bunch of shows coming up, man. What day are we? Doing as long this? as you're, as long as you're free next Tuesday night, like our normal show times, you should be okay. Uh, okay, then I'll make it work. Um, like I said, okay. I've just been barraged. I, 
<laughs> today was yeah, just... talk about that, buddy. I know you've been real busy. You can go ahead and tell everybody about it because I wanted to give you a few minutes yeah. to talk about what you've been up to since it's been uh, over a month probably. Well, a little bit more than that, I think. Uh, but yeah, hey, I you know, so it's old home week. You can't, you know, I just I can't quit you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had to we had to do a lot of uh, archived episodes because we just been so busy. Getting Vic on a show in December is like pulling teeth. It's impossible. It's not his fault either. He's just working his ass off. And then I started working a second job with him, so I was busy as hell. Not a lot of time to watch movies uh, in December, despite the fact that I wanted to, besides the ones that I can actually watch with my family. So uh, December was kind of a wash for us for the most part. But, uh, yeah, Blake, talk about it. Well, on December 14th, I made an announcement on Facebook, on my author page and on my personal page, that I've started a new Nightmare on Elm Street project, a new book. <clears throat> and it's... Uh, you know, completely sanctioned. It's going to have people from Nightmare on Elm Street 4 in it. And basically what it's doing is it's telling the stories of what what happened behind the camera in the making of film, my accidents that happened on set, some, you know, interesting things about the setup of scenes. And my co-author, who is the one that approached me to do this, is Mick Strawn, who we've had on the show before on the Nightmare 3, Nightmare 4 show, and then on the Toby Hooper show. Now, he worked with Rob Tapper and Sam Raimi, Hercules. <clears throat> so that was kind of like a cool connection with tonight's, you know, show that we we focused on thirty days of night. But so I made this announcement and it's been trending and going nuts. I got notification this morning that Bloody Disgusting has picked up on it. They posted. Uh Joe Blow has posted. Um Dread Central looks like they're in the running to post and, and it just it's absolutely crazy. The the book that you guys have the value on it has gone up tremendously, I guess, because news of this new book and, you know, working with somebody from Nightmare on this book, and then the fact that the, that book is now harder to find has made the, the value on it go crazy. There was a guy that messaged me that said he paid $2,000 for a copy off Amazon. And hey, I, I have just, a question for you, Blake. Yeah. Yeah, I, sure. I wanted to ask you this just because it seems like it's in your wheelhouse, and, you know, the stuff you've done is horror-related, but this isn't too far from that. And think about all the shows we've done. Have you ever thought uh, about writing true crime? I actually started putting uh, something together. It's not technically a, a true crime thing, but it is based on something that uh, based on something that happened. There was a, it happened in 1901. There was a disappearance of three lighthouse keepers at this lighthouse, and they, they never found bodies. They never found out what the hell happened to the guys. They're just nothing. I mean, they never found anything. So I kind of thought about writing something about that, but maybe tying it in to a, <clears throat> to a supernatural kind of element because I can't, I can't not include, you know, something, you know, horror-related in, in my portfolio. I would just – the other book I'm working on is a Loch Ness Monster Creature feature called um, – the, I mean, it's called Beneath, and it's – Sort of like the monster, you know, goes on a rampage, and there's also all this. There's also a bunch of twists, but I put that on hold right now while I've been working on this new thing, you know, with Mick, which has got a title and everything. We've already started accumulating people talking about it. I just talked with Bart Mixon, who did the makeups for Bright. He did uh, Joel Egerton's uh, orc makeup. He worked on Nightmare Two and Nightmare Four. This book is focused on Nightmare Four, so. I've got him on board. I think Screaming Mad George is going to come on board. Nick Benson, who we've had on previous shows. Steve Johnson has um, yeah. contributed. 
it's and it's just it's been shared massively. It's been I don't know shared two or three thousand times already today. And there are other websites trying to pick us up. And Mick and I are both in that new Fred Heads documentary. I'm sure that you remember um, Paige on the Wes Craven's New Nightmare show. She came on and kind of talked about the uh, the uh, Don't Fall Asleep fan film she was working on that was Nancy related. Mm-hmm. Well, she's the director of this Fred Heads thing, and she asked us to come up there and and be part of the. the the documentary. I was up there doing a book. You know, I I did a couple of book signings. I gave you guys your books, and then I went and did the panel and spent the afternoon with Robert England. And all we did was chit chat and go out and talk about you know things that are coming up and just while you know there was this big panel that only a few people were allowed into. So I went and did that and you know just kind of hung out with them and all that. And then it just kind of they were like, hey, come do this documentary thing and. I don't know. I got to go up there and do it with um, Ricky Dean Logan, who played Carlos and Freddie's dad. That was kind of cool. So, um, yeah, you know, just working with Nightmare stuff, apparently I'm able to make another contribution. You know, it was really kind of Nick to ask me. He was a fan of my other book, and he asked me because I guess I, he knows the passion and appreciation I have for Nightmare Elm Street. So that's what I'm doing now is trying to arrange shows. I've got five shows this month and a radio show next month all talking about this particular book, which is called Behind the Screams, A Nightmare on Elm Street 4 Revealed. And it's all the stories that you've never heard about what happened on the set of Nightmare on Elm Street 4. That's the the big project. (laughs) Good stuff, man. That's awesome to hear. Uh, And I have good news and bad news for you. What do you want to hear first? Oh, shit. Go ahead. Bad news. (laughs) All right. The bad news is I haven't started reading your book yet. Now, I I told you it would be a while. The good news is I have a pledge to myself that I'm going to start reading it next week. So, there's like Would you like me to make it really, really easy for you? (laughs) Would you get to read it to me? (laughs) I mean, I would if I had the time. And I wrote it, and I had never read it. When you're writing these things, you don't really – you don't really read it. I mean, you clean it up, and you kind of – you know, you've got the basic idea of what's happening. You'd well, probably just get mad at yourself if you read it. That's what I would do, you know. Like I would, I would, I would never be able to finish if I read my own stuff. I I read it. It was a hundred and twenty six pages, twenty eight pages, and I read it in about an hour. And that was mm-hmm. with kids. And without kids, I've read it in uh, about forty five minutes. It, it's not a hard read. Just. You got the deluxe copy with the with the other book in it, the Within. That one will take you a while, but uh, it's demonic possession, witchery, and all kind of just horrible shit. Uh, you can read that at your leisure, I guess. But uh, the Freddy thing, I know you guys are really interested in. It won't take you long. It's written very plain language. It's a very fast read. Um, I mean, I read it, and I would. I felt like in the time that I've read it, I could have read my book about 40 fucking times. Um, yeah, that sounds about it's right. Like <laughs> it, it's like 1,200 pages, you know, or whatever. But, yeah, so that's that's what it, that's what it is, man. It just it, You'll really enjoy it, I hope. I hope you both get a chance to read it. And like I said, those copies are selling for ridiculous amounts of money. Not saying you guys would ever sell them, but if you so feel inclined – there are people willing to pay very good money. There is a Facebook group that is totally devoted, I've been told, on finding copies of my book so they can resell them for 10 or 12 times what they're worth. (laughs) 
I was well, I'm not going to sell a book that has my name in it. It's mine. So that's what I'm doing. I'm keeping it. But I'm glad I have it. So I'm glad I'm going to be able to. I'm glad that I was able to, to get you and Vic one, and I, I hope that you both want here soon. I'm not going to hold you to your pledge. You're working two jobs. You're a father. You're a husband. You're a busy man, just like me. Both of you are. So I'm not going to hold you to a pledge of reading it in a week. But I, I hope that you do read some of it because I'm convinced that once you read a little, you won't want to stop. And and you know how it ends already. I mean, hello, we all know he gets exactly. burnt, burnt the fuck up in a in a boiler room, and that's it, or so they think. You know, so exactly. the ending it, it can't spoil that for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Away. <laughs> Yeah, no worries there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to reading it. I haven't read anything in a long time, so I figured I'd take some time to do something mentally for myself. You know what I mean? Like I just take a mental break. So I I think that's the thing in life I don't get to do. But you know, we have a segment on the show. It is called you know where our horror adventures have taken us, uh, and. You know, in December, our horror adventures pretty much took us nowhere because we were so damn busy. We did Red Christmas. We managed to do that the day after Christmas. But um, beyond that, not a lot of things. But, you know, this past week or so, I got more into uh, some horror again. And with football wrapping up, I'm going to have even more time to watch more horror. But uh, I want to get into three things that I've been watching. Um, The first thing, uh, and Vic and I can attest to Actually, I'll get into more than that. I got a lot of things that I've been watching, so bear with me here. Okay, so the first thing I want to get into is Murder in the Heartland. It is a movie from, like, 1993. Feruza Balk's in it, and she's 18 years old, playing 14-year-old Carol Ann Fugate, and Tim Roth's in it. He's playing Charles Starkweather. You've got the defense attorney, played by Brian Dennehy. You've got uh, the prosecutor, played by Randy Quaid. Yes, Randy Quaid and played in a serious role, too. You've got Roberts Blossom in it. Yes, Ed Gein himself, or or, uh, what was his name? Uh, Vic, what was his name in um, Uh, the movie? Ravage, yeah. Or whatever it was. Yeah. Ezra Cobb. Ezra Cobb. Yeah. The South Bend Shovel Slayer was in it. And uh, also the warden. I can't think of his name from Shawshank Redemption. He was in it. There was a lot Bob, of stars. Bob it was Dutton. A, That's who you're talking about. There you go. Yep. And it was a TV movie. It was a made-for-TV movie, but it was disturbing. And it just tells you the the depths of depravity because most of this is true about Charles Starkweather. And it also gives you an idea about, you know, Caroline Fugate, the shit that she had to put up with, poor girl, um, whether she did it or not. Who knows? Um, you know, that's one of those things we're going to talk about in a few weeks. Um but that was a really cool movie, and you can actually find that on YouTube. So if you find Murder in the Heartland on YouTube, I suggest you give it a shot. Although it is, you know, over two hours long because it's like a two-part miniseries type thing. But I enjoyed it. So Murder in the Heartland definitely worth watching. Um, I've been watching a lot of stuff on the Menendez brothers, and it's got me wanting to talk about the Menendez brothers at some point because uh, Law and Order did True Crime Menendez brothers talking about them. And, uh, you know, it was a dramatization of of the whole thing with the Menendez brothers. It was really good. And then there was a Barbara Walters special that I watched. It was really good. Um, And then there was also a, 
Uh, it was like a, it's not A&E, but it was some sort of a kind of a looking and back at the whole series of events, and they talked to him in prison and things like that. It was cool. But, you know, the Menendez brothers case, that was from my childhood and Vic's childhood. I remember that as, I remember that better than Dahmer, fellas. I know that's crazy, but I actually do. Because I remember wondering, but what's always interesting about a case is not just when somebody's absolutely guilty. It's when... Oh, in their case, they were guilty, but the question was, did their parents, you know, molest them? Did they abuse them? So the whole motive for the whole thing was interesting, and I remember that back when I was a kid. And this happened in, like, 1989. So uh, all those Menendez Brothers documentaries really brought me back. I mean, almost to the O.J. era. I remember the O.J. stuff, Vic? That was right around the same time period. L.A. was fucked for a few years with all these cases. Rodney King, all of yeah. them. Everything yep, was going yep, on yep. in L.A. back then. So um, a lot of Menendez Brothers stuff I've, I've watched. Now, Vic and I will kind of tag team this one. Uh, Insidious 4, uh, the last key we watched on Friday. Vic, do you mind giving me a, a, my lungs a break for a minute? You talk about uh, what your feelings on Insidious 4 were without spoiling oh, it for anybody yeah. that hasn't I seen mean, it. All right, we'll, we'll keep it a little full of free, but... I don't know. I mean, I I, I kind of dug it. Uh, I'm not a big Insidious fan to begin with. Um, I always say I like The Conjuring more, and that pisses Travis off a little bit. But uh, I, I didn't see Insidious 3. I don't know if you really needed to watch Insidious 4 because I, I enjoyed it, and I didn't feel like I was really missing too much. So, But overall, I mean, I, it, I don't know. I mean, it's the you know, same basic game uh, with every other movie just like this. I'd probably give it a three out of four. Yeah. Um, basically what you said, I mean, I'm a huge Insidious fan, especially the first one. The other two are just good, um, two and three. This one um, was probably as good as three or as good as two. I mean, it was a good sequel, and it's done well at the box office, which makes me happy. And uh, I enjoyed it. It's worth a watch, especially if you have a movie pass. Go see it. Let the movie make some money so uh, we can continue to get horror movies, good horror movies. And this was a good horror movie. Was it the best? No. But it was still good. And it's better than a lot of the stuff we're getting. So um, take it for what it's worth. And, you know, I like the Insidious uh, series. Nothing's ever going to touch the first one, though. But I will tell you, there are a couple times in that fucking movie that I jumped. So they were successful in that, you know way yeah. as well. And they had Vic cracking up. The, the dude with the beard was killing you. No, that dude was awesome. Tucker? Yeah. yeah he, he was that killing dude was you. So great. He, he, was, yeah. he was the best part of the movie. Like, he was amazing. Yeah. It, it, my, my, oh, yeah. My only complaint about, uh, and this is not a spoiler, so nobody needs to hang up or anything, or, or you know, cut off your podcast. Lynn Shay, uh, I like Lynn Shay. She does a good job, um, but I don't think she can carry an entire movie as the main character. Uh, Blake, what do you think about that? I know you're a Lynn Shay uh, probably apologist <laughs> for good reason, but I mean, what do you think about that? Her being the main character, I just don't feel like it. Well, you know, like that, she's that, a supporting that, that was kind of jacked up, even for you, Travis. Um, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate Lynn Shay's work. Um, I, I liked her a lot in. Um, 2001 Maniacs, and I've seen the first uh, two Insidiouses. I don't think, yeah, I did. I did see the third one. I haven't seen, I've not seen the fourth one. Um, but mm-hmm. I think she's a great actress in her own right, and I mean, 
I, I appreciate what those movies have done for horror. I mean, you know, as far as the story and everything. I I think, you know, depending on the movie, I think she has no trouble at all carrying, carrying you know, the, the weight of the movie. I haven't seen this one, you know, so I can't. Uh, I, I will say this. She's one of the best supporting actresses and supporting characters I've yes. seen in quite a while. She's a great supporting character. I just don't feel like that she should be the star of any movie. And I feel like they tried to put people around her to make her successful, but she's just not the star. And she wasn't the star of the first one. So to take a character that was like a side character and make them the star of the fourth one, it, I don't know. It's just there's something a little weird about it. But it's still, like I said, it's a good movie. I agree with Vic, three out of four on that one. Uh, Murder in the Heartland, by the way, I'd also give that a three out of four. So just a FYI on that. Now, <laughs> I think the last uh, actual movie I'm going to talk about, I talked about the first movie, Creep, which was on Netflix. I, I don't know if it still is. It's got the dude from The League in it. I saw that, and I was like, this movie is fucking weird. I don't know what to think of this movie. Um, well, I, I don't think I liked it a whole lot. At the time, I gave it maybe two out of four. And I watched the sequel because I couldn't help myself. And the sequel was better than the original. Um, it wasn't great, but it was better than the original. I'd give the sequel two and a half. Um, <laughs> it was... Uh, Vic, I'm laughing at you. Anyway, um, it was... Uh, it was weird. It was weird just like the original. It was just really weird. I mean, I had to stand. I had to sit there, and this dude from the league was standing there completely butt-ass naked with his dick hanging out. And I was like, what is happening on my TV right now? Like, I, It was like a car wreck. I couldn't handle what I, what I was seeing. I was like, no, no, this isn't happening right now. I mean, because this dude was in a comedy role, and he's just standing there naked in a horror movie. I'm like, why is this happening? Anyway, I felt like I was being tormented. But that aside, the movie was pretty good. So if you like weird shit, um, not not gory at all. Uh, creep and Creep 2 are probably your cup of tea. Not so much mine. I like weird shit, but not to that extent. So anyway, uh, I talked about all the movies I wanted to talk about. I'm throwing out one TV show that I've started to go back and watch again. That's Ash vs. Evil Dead. <laughs> that show is fucking hilarious. I love it. I'm glad it's on Netflix. Everybody who hasn't watched it on Stars or whatever your... Uh, ability is you need to go back and watch it on netflix because it's it, bruce campbell is amazing in that and uh made me love bruce even more vic he's still a it's bum. true nah you and bruce he's are cool now he signed your shit he did, <laughs> he, did, he, did. he did he was cool too he's <laughs> yep we we had a we had fun meeting brucey that that whole uh that whole uh, what was it last last uh, fan standing thing he did in town? Yeah, I wouldn't mind doing that, that again. That was, that was pretty awesome. I enjoyed that. He needs to come back yeah. and do it again. Hell yeah, he's awesome. Hope it, maybe he can write another book. I haven't opened his book either. After I read Blake's, I'm gonna read Bruce Campbell's book. And I'm gonna tell them both. <laughs> wow, Blake! <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> Well, hey, I mean, if, if hey, you know, you could uh, with what they're going for, you could afford to get you something nice, buddy. I would. <laughs> I, I, I need, I need more uh, convention money, man. Uh, okay, you need of, I'll let you. 
I was going to say, I'm going to let Blake talk about what. Oh, Vic, do you have anything else you've been watching other than Insidious, The Last Key, and the playoffs? No, I watched Cujo the other night for no random reason, I and I still love it. That was a, I was like, what the fuck is he watching Cujo for? Um, I do want to tell, before Blake talks about whatever he's been watching, if anything, because I know he's busy too, I do want to tell a story. I told you this story the other day, so here's the story, okay? All right, so with MoviePass, you, you know, you can watch a, a movie every single day, and Usually, when I go to the movies, I'm at work, and I can't be gone that long, but I have a theater like five minutes from me, so, you know, I get an hour to two hours if I work, if I started early, you know, every day to watch a movie. I haven't watched any this week, but last week was interesting, because I went and saw <laughs> Darkest Hour um, on Tuesday, I think it was. It was awesome. I mean, if you like dialogue, it was really good. Gary Oldman was awesome as Winston Churchill, uh, and then... I went and watched Downsizing, and it was a piece of shit. Father Figures was a piece of shit. Uh, they both suck. No, I'm sorry. No, like, no. I'm shocked by how bad Father Figures was. Did you watch Father Figures yet? I did. I did. I did. Did you like it? Oh, I, I did like it. I did. Did you like I, it a lot? I think, it's, I, think, I think you're crazy. It's weak but as shit. That's a There's a reason why it's got that's a low a score on the MDB. That sucks. Do it. Anyway, it was good. I don't even like Owen Wilson, and I thought it was good. It wasn't good. It wasn't good. Cam Williams was good, good for a few minutes. <laughs> anyway, Dude, the whole so, Bradshaw thing was amazing. No, that was funny, him and being Rames, but then once that was over, I was like, all right, now I'm annoyed because I didn't care about the two guys who were carrying the movie, you know? Yeah, sucks. I, I thought it was good. Yeah. So anyway, the story goes like this. So Thursday, I'm going to go, or, well, whatever day, I'm going to go see um, All the Money in the World, which is with Mark Wahlberg, Christopher Plummer. It's about a kidnapping of, uh, like, the Getty kid in the 70s. And, you know, like, they're really rich oil people. Anyway, so I go and I watch the first hour of it because it's a long movie. And I'm like, okay, so I'll come back tomorrow and I'll watch the second half of my movie pass. I'll just check into a different movie and then I'll go to that and watch the second half at the same exact time I left off. My dumbass didn't check the show times, okay? I fucked up. <laughs> so I go there the second day at 3 o'clock, which is right where I left off. So I go in and I sit in the movie theater where it was playing before because most of the time the movie theaters, the show times are exactly the same every single day until you hit like Friday. Then it changes over because you got new movies. So anyway, I go in there and I go to the back of the theater like I usually do so I can actually look at my phone too. And I sit there and I look at this movie and, and it's, you know, it's the same movie, but like I feel like I've raced ahead about 100 years in this movie and I'm confused. I'm like, hey, this is not where I left <laughs> off at all. And so the movie ends about five minutes later. <laughs> it's like, all right, well, I guess I'm not seeing this one. So... So I walk away confused and can't figure it out, and then I look at the showtimes, and it had started about an hour earlier than what the one before the day before did. So I'm like, all right, so now I've got a little time to kill just before I go back to work. What am I going to do? So I'm walking along in the theater, and I'm like, ah, oh, Star Wars. Okay, I'll go watch Star Wars again. I'll give it another chance because I did not fucking like the Star Wars movie. I did not, and I like Star Wars, but this movie pissed me off. Well, okay, what did I tell Vic? I like it because it's Star Wars, but I hate it as a movie, right? Okay. <laughs> That's what I always said to Vic. 
So anyway, I go into this theater, and it's the casino planet scene. And I sit there for about five minutes until the fat Asian chick sees the uh, animal, and she gets all excited, and I'm like, fuck this. And I walked out. <laughs> I couldn't deal with it. It upset me that bad. So I was like, and I'm not even a Star Wars nerd. I like Star Wars, but I was just like, nope, can't do it. So I walked over to Jumanji, which I had already seen, and I sat there for an hour and watched Jumanji, and it was well worth it. Everybody who has not seen Jumanji, you should see that. Skip Star Wars. And word of mouth <laughs> has proven me right about that, isn't it, Vic? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, everybody's seeing Star Wars because it's Star Wars, but the actual business is picking up, kind of like with Scream, with Jumanji, because people are telling other people, this movie's good. Don't let people act like the original Jumanji, something special, fool you, because it's not. Anyway, what you been watching, Blake? Are you sure you're finished? <laughs> I don't know. I could rant about Star Wars for fucking hours. Well, I, I already did seen, it. Blake. I haven't seen Star Wars yet, but somebody, you know, spoilers, okay. you know, people on Facebook are assholes. They just. Well, don't whatever. worry. I, I didn't spoil it. It just pissed me off. I'll just. Right, say right. It, it, I, yeah. um, so I'll leave it recent- at I recently started a bunch of different stuff. I started and finished Mindhunters, which I love, and my wife happened to yes. tell me that, that Edmund, Edmund Kemper has been getting a surge in fan mail because of the portrayal yes. that the actor gives of him, and he's very close. I mean, he even looks like him. The shit is crazy. Dude, it is so good. <laughs> yeah, so I've been watching that. I started watching Serial Killer Culture by John Borowski. Yes, watching. my man Borowski. You know Borowski's my dude. He comes on here all the time. Yeah, I should get him to come on to plug my book while I plug his. Let's see if that is yeah. out. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I've been watching that. Uh, I watched um, Starry Eyes, you know, which I thought was amazing. I started uh, and finished Stranger Things, seasons one and two. Uh, I went back and watched some really old stuff, too, though, like, you know, older older movies, like 1980s slasher movies, and some of them which were not good enough to even warrant remembering the title of, but um, I'm going to try to sit down and watch Chopping Mall this week, um, because that's one I haven't Ooh, seen. Yes. I've heard of that, but not seen it. Yeah, I've heard good things. Um, so that's pretty much what I've been watching. Uh, my wife and I watched Teeth. I'd never seen it. And uh, needless to say, my my thoughts on the female anatomy have now changed a little bit. Um, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> uh, we watched Raw, which was very good. Raw was sort of like, um, oh, Videodrome. David Cronenberg-ish kind of weird body horror, cannibals. Um, nice. Well, yeah, watching a lot of stuff on Albert Fish. My wife has had a, like an interest in talking, reading, and watching, and reading about serial killer stuff. So we watched Albert Fish, and then we watched... Uh, remember remember our uh, our podcast on Albert Fish? That was a good one. Yes, where we had Mar- uh, Marvin... Uh, I can't remember his name, but yeah. he yeah, that was Marvin the Black Guy. Mar- <laughs> That's not okay, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you I watched, me. I, I watched... Um, uh, Ripley's Believe or Not, because they had Peter Carton's skull on there. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah this one that's in like Minnesota or, you know, it's in some small town somewhere. And they've got his skull from where he was, guillot- you know, beheaded by the guillotine and they kept his skull and it's like touring around. It's in this particular Ripley's Museum and it's not moved since. So I've been watching that and then, I don't know, just kind of watching a lot of other like, you know, 80s stuff. I went back on this and Elm Street stuff. I figured I needed to since uh book, you know. 
I needed to get, get back on my Elm Street stuff. I'd taken a break from that. And that's pretty much it. Just watching a bunch of starry eyes and telling you, you guys need to watch it. Oh, my God, it's amazing. It's just it's everything I thought it was going to be, everything I hoped it would be but didn't think it was going to deliver, and it did so much more. It's it's one of the best films I've seen in recent years It's a horror. Nice. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, uh, have you ever been to Ripley's, believe it or not? No, but there's one not far from me. I think there's one in Gatlinburg. That's why I was asking. Yeah, yeah Gatlinburg. I went to that one. I enjoyed it. Kids. It was good shit. Kids. I want want to go to the crime museum down there and uh, uh, at uh, Pigeon Forge. I want to go because, you know, Bundy's VW is down there. Yeah, yeah. And there's also a Titanic museum and a bunch of other stuff down there, too. So, yeah, there's a lot of cool cool stuff. Y'all make the trip. I'd be happy to go. Oh, yeah. Well, one of these days for sure. uh, I'm trying not to travel too much for a few months till after new baby comes, and then I'm done having kids. So <laughs> that'll be the end of it. Then we can travel. Uh, uh, but we are yeah. going to Charlotte to visit Jer in May. Um, and we're going to a horror convention there. But that kind of uh, leads me into Vic talking about his true horror adventures, which is basically preparing for the next few months of conventions, which uh, even though I'm not going to be going to them, I, I might go to Horror Hound in March, uh, even though I'm not going to be going to him, Vic is, and he's got a lot to do. <laughs> I do, I do, I do. I'm uh, <laughs> currently in the middle of uh, getting everything lined up for Age of the Dead in Atlanta, coming up in a couple weeks. Um, I'm going for the whole weekend. I got my weekend passes lined up. I got, uh, I'm staying at the host hotel, so I'm doing all the after party stuff. Um, I don't plan on driving it all weekend. I'm just going to lay around the hotel drunk and getting autographs. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're they're bringing in all. They got kids from the old, from the original it. They got the kids from the new it. They got a Jason Takes Manhattan uh, reunion going on. So I'm pretty hyped about this one. Like this is gonna be fun. And then Mark oh, got yeah. and then. Uh, Tim Curry's coming to Monster Mania in March, so I, I'm going to try to send the poster up there to get signed by him. Whew, that's going to be crazy. Me, you and me both. Yeah, yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. I got, I'm getting a Tim Curry print to get signed, assuming we can do it. Uh, and I'm getting Chucky to sign, you know, Brad Dorf to sign a, a Chucky print. I collect these uh, prints that Joel Robinson does. Uh, and, you know, one day I'll show them to you, uh, Blake, if I haven't already. But, like, they're so really good. And I get one for every horror celebrity that I meet that actually has a print. You know what I mean? I wish he would do some new ones because he hasn't really done that many new ones lately. Um, but if he does, I'll, I'll be getting autographs on those. Like, I have every single Jason. Uh, I have Freddie. Yeah, Robert England signed it. I have Doug Bradley. Uh, you know, I've got Candyman. I could go on. But the point is that, like, every one of these horror icons, I get to try, sign one of these prints. And eventually, I'm going to put them on my wall, but it's going to take up a lot of space. So <laughs> I'll probably get some painters to do my wall and make it look nice before I put them up so I don't have to try to do this 50 times. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so a, lot, a lot of horror conventions coming up. Uh, I don't know how many I'm going to go to, but uh, Vic, I'm going to try to go to Horror Hound, though. Uh I don't see any reason not to, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, it'll just be uh, one day. We can take the girls up there. It'll, it'll be fun. And or the, or right the boys, if, they, if they're around, you know? Yeah, we'll take the whole family. And yeah. we can well, I don't know about eat that. some Mexican restaurant or something, yet. and it'll be awesome. Maybe well, that's like a know. good time, gentlemen. That sounds like a really good time. I've been trying to. I'm, there's conventions like trying to get you know me and Mick to like be guests, and so I just haven't narrowed it down. Like there's some people from Scarefest that you know want us to come back, and uh, I just I don't know. I I mean I'm kind of looking forward to doing it, but I want to wait till I have you know stuff to stuff to sign. Last time I was there, you know, I signed a few books and took a few pictures and did all that kind of stuff, but I want to wait till this new book comes out because it's being released with the 30th anniversary, you know, right that same month in August. So I, I don't know. I'm, I want to see where it, where that takes me, but man, I don't know. Spooky Empire showed some interest in having me and I just, I don't know. I just don't want to travel that far right now, man. You know, I just... I hear you. Kids and, you know, I don't want to be away from them because I did that life once before, being in a band and being gone all the time. And I mean, I'll do some stuff with Mick and, you know, be working with the book and stuff, but that sounds like a great time. And I'm a little bit behind on my nightmare stuff. You know, I've gotten some things signed. I got the cast photo or the uh, photo with uh, Robert and uh, Mick and my wife and I, which you guys have seen, and then the glove, which uh, every cast member except for one or two of them signed for my birthday. That was you know, like a big surprise for me, you know, and I just wasn't prepared for that. And then I kept the Sharpie that Robert signed. He signed my glove right before he went into uh, to the panel. And he said, Blake, I just don't want you, I want you to, you know, know how, you know, thankful I am that you're here and how glad we are that you're here. And your book was great. And we're glad that the nightmare, you know, tradition's being carried on. And then he hugged me and then he said, let me sign this for you. And then gave it back to me, and then he's like, I'll catch you later. You know, maybe we can go eat. And that was the end of it. We ended up leaving. We went and had dinner with Mick because it was getting late. And I just, Robert's Robert's line was ridiculous. I mean, there were people when we were leaving that had been there for like seven or eight hours in line. So I can't I can't be mad at him for having to, you know, do that. It's his obligation, you know. So next time, though, yeah. next time I'll, I'll go to the bar and have a drink with Robert England. That'll be great. <laughs> You know, Vic, in my recent time, what we've been doing is uh, taking our ass to the gym. We just need to somehow, you know, like turn that into watching horror movies while at the gym. That would make both of us happy, I think. Yeah. You guys um, should do a so Skype I, show. Do y'all do that? Do y'all do, like, video shows? Like, do any more YouTube stuff? I'd love to do one of those with you guys. We we have before. We haven't done it in a while, though. And uh, I don't think we're big into Skype, but we're... Maybe one day when we get together, we can do a YouTube show. How about that? Like physically. That, I did one with you guys. Other. I did one with you guys, and I think it was Corey for the Evil Dead too. Yep, we did the yeah. we did uh, the commentary for it. Yeah, yeah, that was the only one that I remember participating in. You know, like that. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, let's uh, let's talk about what's been grinding our gears, and I, Vic's been rowdy lately, so I'm gonna let Vic talk. Because Vic, uh, I'm telling you, Vic's a, a pretty mellow guy, but he's been an angry fucker lately. Don't lie, Vic. <laughs> I haven't really. What have yeah, I been angry about? I'm not Employees, hashtag me too, UK, <laughs> Alabama, I could go on. Uh, I mean, I agree with all these things, but I don't have to deal with the employees so much. 
I mean, you know, my employees or whatever, like, they're, they come and go. I don't care about them anymore. Um, do you really want me to get into the hashtag me too stuff? <laughs> I sure do. I sure do, because there's a good chance I agree with most of it. Oh, my God, Mick. Oh, well, all right. I guess we could You don't have to name names or anything. I just want to hear, you know, what the issue is with it, which we kind of agree, what we've seen. All right, so here's my thing with hashtag Me Too. I I think it's a great movement. Like, the meaning behind it is awesome. But I think a lot of people use it for their attention whore-seeking ways. Like... You shouldn't should use this for whatever attention you never got from your parents or from your your boyfriend or whatever, the attention that you so desperately crave. You shouldn't use this whole hashtag me too to get that attention. Like, that, that's not what it's for. It's for people who were victimized by other men, women, beasts, animals, whatever they were, they were victimized by. To let people know, hey, this happened to me, and I'm now speaking out about it. But if it didn't happen to you, and you just want to get on your little soapbox and try to act like, oh, my God, I'm such a victim, whenever nobody would even touch you, like, no, no, quit it. Like, if it don't happen, it's it's not for your attention-seeking work. Don't do it. I I hate it. Like, Like I said, I think it's a good movement. If if it really happened to you, then by all means, go ahead and throw it out there. But, I mean, according to, you know, social media, every person that has ever lived in this world has been <laughs> victimized by somebody or something or some creature or whatever. And that sucks, man. I mean, hashtag me too, like legit. Like, yeah. You know yeah. God, oh my God, I hate it. I'm done. Oh, okay, no, that's all. You 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 can talk about that for a minute if you want to. Okay, here's what I want to talk about about that whole thing. Um, I just want to elaborate on something. I don't have a problem with people who are actually sexually assaulted, whoever it may be, coming out and saying hashtag Me Too and telling their story. But what I have an issue with is that people are pretending, and yes, pretending, that some dude looking at your ass on the way down the street is some sort of sexual assault. And that is happening. There are people acting like they're victimized by that. You know what? If you don't like it, tough shit. This is the world we live in. I'm not going to turn gay just because you don't like it. I'm just saying. Just because a construction worker says, nice ass, you are not victimized. It's just like cyberbullying. Ignore it. Walk away. It's not that hard. If somebody touches you, that's a different story. That I get. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. You know, these claims I mean, have, have they've raised the stakes of verbal, and now in the workplace is one thing. I get that. I'm talking about everyday life. These people are acting like they're victimized, and that's not true. I just don't buy it. I mean, apparently we got victimized people every night in the gym. So it is what it is. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, and Corey's worse because I think that's the whole reason he goes. <laughs> but like legit, like if I said, "Hey, nice ass," then I mean that's a compliment. You should take it as that, really. Right. And if you don't like it, move on. Ignore them. I'm just saying. 
Blake, you're going to say something, I think. I'll allow you. I'll let you go ahead and talk. I think oh, you're going to say oh, something. Blake right now. What? <laughs> what? What happened? What, what the hell did he say? <laughs> he said you're probably going to hate him right I, now. I, I believe that victimization is wrong. I do, and I understand why people are doing it. But I have no comment on people that are saying – I mean, because like I said, every time I turn on the news now, there's somebody else that's been uh, – what is it? I read earlier. This really upset me because I don't know if it's got any basis in reality or not. But some company has come forward. It sounds like and said that the the people that have helping Stan Lee at his residence that he's been sexually assaulting women there. And I was like, I don't. Oh my I'm god! Not, uh, I'm not buying into that until it comes. Uh, you know, until it's because it just it's too it's too much. The the state of the country right now is just, in my opinion, in shambles. You know, for all kind of different reasons, which I won't go into here, but it has to do with people that are supposed to be in charge, you know, and I just, you know, just damn it. Just damn it all to hell. I want to watch horror movies and write horror books and go do conventions and sign autographs <laughs> yeah. for people and fucking do that well, shit. I want to have a good you better watch what you I'm write. here to live. You better, watch you, you better watch what you write. You might sexually assault somebody with it. I'm just saying, you're you better be real careful. Dickhead, what you write. Travis, you're a dickhead. It's, I should have written you into that last book and killed you. That's what I should have done. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what I did wrong. I'm just telling you the facts of reality right now. No, it's fine. Vic and I are probably going to get in trouble now, too, just for having a conversation. No, I mean, you're entitled to your opinion. I just, like I said, we don't always see eye to eye on things, but that's okay. I'm not about, well, because I don't see eye to eye with them. You know, I'm not trying to do any of that. You know, I just everybody's entitled to their own opinion. I think, honestly, uh, sexual assault is wrong. And, I mean, I understand what people are saying. Well, yeah. If you, what if you walk down the road and you tell somebody that they, uh, you know, say something to somebody, you, you probably shouldn't say it, especially if you don't know how they're going to take it. I just have never been the person to do that. I've never been well, one to that make. That I understand. I know, but huh? to pretend that that's a sexual assault claim is my issue. You know what I mean? Like, or or act like it's in the same ballpark. It's not at all, and that's the issue that I have. Is people are lumping these things together, and they're not the same or even close at all. Well, like I said, I got no real opinion on the, that whole thing. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm just I think the whole I think the whole thing's wrong. I think all of it's wrong. I've never been one of those guys to just comment to a woman uh, so on and so forth like that anyway and I've never understood people that do that in any situations. I don't know. It just that's it's just it's a touchy subject for everybody involved, honestly. And it's just it's permeating, you know, our society right now. It's a you know, problem. He, he said touchy. He said touchy. And then he said permeating. What? Don't be a pervert on our show. I'm not per- <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, you too I have missed talking to you guys so much. I really have. It's been, <laughs> my, my life has been that that much more boring without Travis and Vic's drunken horror adventures in it, you know. So, I, I, uh, yeah, I hope imagine I can come how back. The people, yeah. Imagine how the people around us feel all the time. Vic just tortures people. I, I, he's, like, learned it from my brother. <laughs> my older brother is, it likes to torture people, and I do it a little bit. But mainly, I just don't deal with enough people to torture them. But Vic tortures everybody he comes in contact with. <laughs> it's fine, man. They love it, though. You know, I mean, there, has been, there has been something that's been grinding my gears, though, that I just, you know, 
it's this thing. Have you seen it? You probably, if you're on social media or anything, you have. Or uh, it's like uh, now all of a sudden, everybody wants to come out and talk about the uh, the Chester Bennington, you know, suicides and what what TMZ leaked, what TMZ didn't leak. I think honestly, none of that information should have been given out. It's none of our damn business. Any of it. You know, whether he did this or not before he died. And it's like, don't tarnish a person's name uh, more than it's already been tarnished. You know, don't don't keep dragging people into it. Like, it just, it's ridiculous. And now there's this thing I've seen where uh, somebody uh, has taken Smells Like Teen Spirit and changed the key of it and made it like a pop song where people are raising hell about that. I'm like, you guys. There, there are so much more important things, so many more important things in the world we could be focusing on than being pissed off this might change the key of a popular rock song. Come on. No. I mean, Kurt Cobain hated Teen Spirit any fucking way. What difference does it make? He hated that fucking song. So he dreaded playing it. I mean, I remember watching a concert where he played like a few bars of it and then stopped just to fuck with people. <laughs> so, I mean, he didn't like the song any fucking like he- way. It's like Andy Kaufman, you know what I mean? Doing doing uh some of the like the the situation the comedy stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. Well he liked that. I, he liked the wrestling, but he didn't like the sitcom stuff. The wrestling was his own deal. Well, you know, it's interesting the sitcom thing. You know, he was on Taxi. I don't know if you guys remember Taxi. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah, and he it's so weird. Robert England was up for audition for Bobby you know, the actor that lives in New York and is trying to make it, and he's a cab driver, you know, obviously like the rest of them. He didn't get that, but they wanted him to, uh, to audition for Latka. And he said, I don't know what you guys want here, an Andy Kaufman impression? And they were like, who? And he said, me and my big mouth. The next thing I knew, Andy Kaufman had the part. So I think that's funny that, you know, he was up for that same role that they saw something in him that he could be like a foreign-type character. I guess that just speaks to Robert England's uh, skill as a character actor. I don't know, but I thought that was funny because, I mean, uh, Kaufman didn't like sitcoms, but sitcoms made him. I mean, Taxi was extremely popular. Yeah, sure. Well, reminds Bill, me too. of a, well, he did play a lizard man, so you know, there's that. He <laughs> and he did a good job too. I, that's how I remember him as a kid, uh, aside from Freddie, obviously, and D. So. Oh yeah, the, you're talking about Robert England as Willie, and where he had the lizard scales and. Yeah, speaking of, I gotta get, yeah, yeah, I gotta tell y'all one more thing, and then I guess we'll close this chop down. But I got a gift for Christmas. I'm so glad I got it. My wife bought it for me. It's the uh, entire Night Rider series, and uh-huh. Rob, Robert England is in the uh, last season. I think two episodes before the end of the show, called uh, Fright Night, and he plays uh-huh. the fa- the Phantom of Stage 28. And I was just like, of course he is. Of course he plays this devious fandom. And when he talks, even then, he has the Freddy thing. He's like, well, you and I are going to do this. You know, and I was just like, he's Freddy. He's totally doing Freddy. And it was just, it was funny to me. We did watch the Jane Doe movie, though, last night, my first time seeing it. Holy shit. Have you seen it? The Autopsy of Jane Doe? Oh, yeah. I watched that uh, last year. It was good. I like uh, it. We, we were like we were like getting to it, but I really like it. I just what the hell was up with that chick's eyes? Jesus, it was bizarre, <laughs> but yeah, it was it was good stuff and definitely worth watching for anybody out oh. there who hasn't seen it yet. Yeah, we got it on Blu-ray, Amazon. 
<laughs> Shameless plug. Yep. <laughs> so next week we're doing a Blake special. Blake's going to run it down, assuming he's available. It's Starry Eyes. So we'll be talking about that next, well, Tuesday, and then the show will be released on Spreaker on Wednesday. Um, and then, of course, the things the week after, which is just, yeah, I'm going to tape during the day so we can have a night off. Vic, we could actually work out that night. And then Stark Weather for two weeks straight. So, yeah, we got uh, everything popping here. Uh, Vic, I forgot to tell you this, and I'll tell Blake, too. Happy Rusev Day for the uh, tenth time this year. I haven't told you in a while, so I thought it was important to let you know. Merry happy, Rusev Day as well. Happy what? Every day is Rusev Day. Every day is Rusev Day, Blake. You need to look into Rusev. it. Rusev? You talking about Vince Rusev? No, Rusev. <laughs> R-U-S-E-V. Rusev. Oh, I'm, oh, Rusev. Okay. I was like, Vince Rusev? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> He's actually friends with me on Facebook. <laughs> That's true. Vince Russo is. Yeah, He's a I bum. <laughs> Anybody that doesn't believe what you believe is a fucking bum. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. That's right. And also, God, no God. No God. So, anyway, favorite part of the movie. It, it was a good show tonight. 30 Days a Night. Love it. Vic gave it too low of a rating because he's a hater. He just can't roll with us. But you know what, Vic? It's nice to disagree with you for once because we've been doing the same fucking ratings for like a year now. So, Maybe. fuck you. Fuck your vampire score. And I'll see you tonight, tomorrow night when we work out. Sound good? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. So, at Vic Von Eric on Twitter. At Trav and Vic Horror. TravinVicHorror.wordpress.com. I need to update that. At PhenomenalTLD. I've been on my Twitter lately. The YouTube we're still slacking on. Tumblr might as well not exist, as well as Instagram. Blake, what about you? Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me, obviously, talking about this book and doing all this promotional stuff and, you know, podcasts and all that. You can find me on uh, uh, Facebook.com uh, forward slash uh, Blake Best Horror. That's my author page. Uh, give it a like. I've been getting... You know, likes out the likes out the wazoo lately, and I'm super excited about that. I'm actually about to close off my Facebook page, my regular page, because I'm getting too many people, 50 to 100 people a day, and I just I don't have time to add everybody. So I'm just going to close that one off. But you can reach me there. That's a Shreddy Kruger 1428, and then you can reach me through uh, BlakeBestHorror.com. That's my website, and it's currently under construction, pending a new you know layout, and that's where you can buy copies of my books and talk to, you know, talk about all things to do with my career and all that good stuff. And then I've got an Instagram at Elm Street's Last Brat. And I'm, of course it is, right? <laughs> he mainly posts his modeling pictures where he's laying on couches and stuff. It creeps me I, out. I do. I, I, do I do. I've actually, this coming the podcast I've got coming up, they asked to see my man bun. So I'm going to have to turn around, I guess, and twerk a little bit for the guys. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. Fucking Christ. <laughs> All right, well, on that note, I think we'll talk to you guys next week. And I'm not drunk this week, so you guys should uh, either be proud or, or, I I don't know, I'm not drinking uh, today. But when I lose some more weight, I'll drink some more. How's that sound, Vic? There there you go. Uh, Starry Eyes next week. Be sure that you guys watch it. Yep, it's on Netflix streaming. All right, folks, later on, fellas. Later on. Later.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.